0: back to the DabbleCo podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner Claire O'Brien, and today I have my friend Laura Hoover. Um, Laura was formerly working as a nurse, and she is in Charleston, South Carolina, and she just has a really cool story. She has been a living donor of her kidney, and so we've been talking for a little while about um, her coming on and just sharing her experience and just kind of educating people about what that looks like, who might need that, who might be a candidate, because um, it's a really, obviously, big undertaking and a really important thing that you did. So, Laura, thanks for coming, and thanks for telling us your story.
1: I'm so glad that we're finally doing this. We have been talking about it for a while, and it's... A long time. It's such a crazy story um, because it, it took so long. The process was so long, and I think that was... Partly unique to my experience and then partly unique to just the process or not unique to the process of being um, a living organ donor. So I am actually a second generation um, living organ donor. My mom was the first ever non-familial kidney donor uh, performed at MUSC in Charleston. And that was... I forget whether it was 2001 or 2002. Um so
0: that means but, she gave her kidney to somebody not that's not that wasn't in the family like a, yeah. a friend or a total stranger.
1: It was similar to my story in that it was a teacher friend of hers and just they happened to be talking like after a staff meeting and she mentioned like oh my you know my brother needs a kidney transplant and my mom yeah. just being the angel on earth that she right. is was like, Oh, I'll do it. And they were like, yeah, but no, there's like testing. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's
0: fine. Okay. So your mom gave her a kidney and then yeah, so so obviously she obviously knew about that
1: gro- growing up or was yeah. that when you were an adult? No. So that was 20, 20 or 21 years ago. So, I mean, yeah. I was like a middle school, high school ish. So she just made it seem like it was no big deal, so the the concept to me was not born and uh-huh. was not scary, or it just was something like, "Oh yeah, somebody needs yeah, help, mom, and you yeah. help them." Yeah, right. Wow. So, um, and they call that a good Samaritan donation. Um,
0: I mean, so you you're just so living much. your life, yeah. Like you're yeah you're just, you're, you're living your life, and then. Yep. I mean, was it similar to your mom where you just heard about someone that needed their kidney and you're like, yeah, I can, I can handle that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it was. And we were, I was living in Boston at the time, um, working at Mass General. I've met my nail husband up there. So we lived there for several years and I was working and just so happy. I remember like the spot where I was sitting at work and I remember I saw my friend post about her mother-in-law needing a kidney. Mm -hmm. And so I I clicked the website and read about her mom and it was or her mother-in-law. And it was as if it could have been like my own mom's story. This like very perfectly healthy woman who had an acute incident where she was in the ICU and found out that she only had one kidney. Um, She had never known her entire life. She was in her 60s, had no idea, mm-hmm. Um, and her kidney suffered injury, an acute injury um, from that illness that had her hospitalized. So, she was told, you know, at some point, you're going to need a transplant, but you're not sick enough to go on the transplant list yet, so you should start looking for a living donor, and... Um, basically this was the synopsis of what I'm am reading on this thing. And yeah, I text my mom and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna donate my kidney and she was like, you know, just you need to think long and hard about it. And I said, No, I as soon as I saw it, I just decided. And <laughs> she was like, Well, that's how I felt too. So so I mean, this was
0: Yeah, how, how's she gonna argue with you? I mean, like she did literally the <laughs> same thing. So it's she can't be like, Oh, it's a bad idea. Well <laughs> in hindsight but did no, she, she do well with that I mean so you watched her so yeah so she's heard that the the that it's harder on the person giving the kidney than the person receiving the kidney so how how was that experience watching that as a child
1: I think that that was that's true now before when she donated you could only donate um your left kidney, laparoscopically, they had to open you for a um, right donor nephrectomy. So she had an open incision. She healed, She never took pain meds. She took Tylenol, and she just lives her life. She doesn't even get, like, her creatinine checked. She's, like, the healthiest freakish woman that I know. And so wow. she made it look like just another day. She was discharged, like, post-op day two, like, after being cut open. So I thought like, oh, piece of cake, you know?
0: Right.
1: So back, so this is, we're looking back to May of 2018. Mm -hmm. And I reach out. It has the contact information on the website they've created and says reach out to Emory, whatever, whatever. So I reach out um, and they're like, okay, the next available evaluation is in October so I'm like oh wow okay my mom wasn't kidding when she said I needed to like a long time have patience (laughs) so I waited in the meantime we moved we left Boston moved back to Charleston I brought Mike with me um so we were living in Charleston and I actually got worked up at Emory because that was where my intended recipient is called Mm -hmm. or um, where my intended recipient lived. That's what they call the person that you are going to donate to, but end up not donating to.
0: So you had to go back and wait, you ended up not donating to her. Wait, what? To
1: her. Yeah. So we were actually um, a 10 person chain the biggest the MUSC had ever been a part of because there are just so many. It's like it's the wildest story. So I go to Emory, get evaluated, get approved, and then the final step is a cross match. And so for the people here that might be listening, that's basically where they like mix your blood and make sure it doesn't attack each other. Okay. Um, yeah. And because we, you can't
0: also, you can't just decide like person A is going to give person B
1: their kidney. Like that's not how it works. I mean, right? you have to, they have to match. Okay. Right. So even though we were the same blood type, I had antibodies that would not allow me to donate to her. Okay. So, I mean, it was devastating because I couldn't donate directly to her. And, right. but at the same time, I was still approved and along the way, people had asked me, you know, this is like six months has gone by before we find out um, that I'm approved. And I didn't tell her that I was getting evaluated. Like, the only people that knew were my parents, my twin sister, and my new husband. Like, because there's this whole you thing. You weren't chatting about it. Yeah. I just didn't want, like, someone to feel let down if. It didn't work. Like if I didn't get approved for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just yeah, there's like a lot of complex feelings that go into it.
0: I can imagine, like the the mother-in-law that I'm sure was devastated too. She think you know, thinks it's a done deal, and then well, they
1: didn't, they didn't even know that it was me that was being evaluated. They had no idea who it was. Okay. they just knew that somebody was getting evaluated because with Medicare you can only have one person in the um evaluation process at a time. And so no one had told them like hi I'm being evaluated to donate to you um and the hospital obviously for HIPAA couldn't disclose that it was me that was being evaluated. And right. I didn't tell I didn't tell my friend um but I got the call. It was right before Christmas of 2018. So we've gone from May to December.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I find out that I'm approved, but we failed the cross match. And so I text my girlfriend. We've just moved back. And I'm like, hey, you know, I want to bring the kids Christmas cookies. Is it okay if we stop by before we head out to mom and dad's? And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's so sweet. You know, I'm just trying to, like, play it. Cool normal yeah
0: yeah
1: right 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 and i know that my intended recipient is there um because they've come in town for christmas so it's christmas eve and i said text her i'm like hey we're gonna come over and she's like all right she owns a restaurant so she's like i'm still at the restaurant you know i might be home or might not be but everybody else is home so her husband um answers the door and you know like i've known him for a very long time and i I'm like, hey, are are your parents, are your parents here, Johnny? And he's like, my parents? What do you want (laughs) to not not Janice's parents? (laughs) Because I know Janice and have known her and her brother my entire life. Right, Um, right. And so he's like, yeah, they're here. Like, come on in. It's like five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Okay? Like 5 p.m. (laughs) So he's like, come on in. Like, do you do you guys want to drink? Whatever. And I'm like shaking going inside. And I have the, I made them this like cranberry orange bread to take. And I just like walk into the kitchen like I have zero personality and just walk up to Betty Ann, who has never met me. I'm a complete stranger to this woman. She has no right. idea I exist. She has no idea who I am. And I'm just like, oh, um, you don't know me, but um, I got evaluated to donate my kidney to you. And um, we've, I got approved, but we failed the cross match. But if you want to go into the um, pair donor exchange program, I'll do it for you. Okay, explain what that is. So the pair donor exchange program is like, okay, person A and person B. One person needs a kidney and one person wants to donate a kidney, but Mm -hmm. they don't fit. So, like, me and my intended recipient. Yeah. Yeah. And so, UNOS has, which is the United Network for Organ Sharing, they Uh um, have this database where they put all of the willing people to donate Uh and all of the people in need into this, like, pool, and they try to make a chain of donations so that somebody who's willing to donate but can't donate to who they want to can still donate on their behalf so that they'll get a kidney and theirs goes to someone else.
0: Y'all, let me tell you about my absolute favorite home store of all time, Celadon. So they have everything from dinnerware to pillows, furniture. They even have jewelry. And yes, it's located in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, but their website has everything you could possibly need, and they ship anywhere. So Celadon has like a laid-back but curated vibe, and no joke, almost every piece of furniture in our home has come from Celadon. So if you're in Charleston, definitely stop by or visit them online at celadonathome.com. And because they are awesome, they gave me a 20% discount code. So check them out and use code dabble code 20 for 20% off. That's
1: home.com.
0: Okay. And is that different than like the regular transplant waiting list that she was on? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. So this is, um, it's, this is basically filled with like good Samaritans. It's, People Not who, dead people.
0: Sorry, that's right. harsh, but like, right. not, that's the only other place that. And not they, a you cadaver. Be either a right. <laughs> well,
1: right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So this is totally separate. It's people willing to donate and people who need a kidney matched. And you have to have somebody that's like your buddy, essentially. Like, this is my donation buddy. This person wants to donate for me. But okay, can't. so
0: you're there to tell Betty this.
1: I'm thinking in
0: my head, you're just there to ruin Betty's Christmas Eve and tell her that you're not a cross match. And I was like, Oh my god, why are you telling her this right now? But, <laughs> okay, this is a good this is a good story. This you're <laughs> it's telling it's a you're very, there to tell her I'm it's gonna a be very good we're gonna story. enter this thing together. Okay. Yeah, so I was like this well, was a- why you would tell her. Okay, got it. This was now I'm trying.
1: <laughs> this was me saying to her, um you know that somebody's been evaluated, that person is me, and I'm approved. I can't give it to you directly, but I'm willing to donate on your can. behalf so that you can get one from somebody else. Okay, and this is where the 10 people
0: come in. So, 10 people yes. tell me about the chain. Okay, because this is okay. like seven, what's it, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but like, six, right, you know, life or death.
1: Right, exactly. Um, so, Betty Ann agrees. Um, that she's willing to go into the pool. She is all for it. So in the meantime, I'm working as a nurse at MUSC in Charleston. I get evaluated at Emory. We're in the pool looking, like waiting for matches, basically. And it's pretty interesting because you have to give them like these hard-stop like blackout dates, like no matter what I cannot donate during this time. Um, because there's so much work that goes in to trying to line up all of these people to donate. Yeah. So in the meantime, your evaluation is good for 12 months. So I am trying to get things lined up with MUSC, my employer for Mm -hmm. my leave. Um, And I'm going through the process of getting that set up. Meanwhile, um, I find out that I'm under the impression this entire time that I'm a state employee. I'm a Mm -hmm. South Carolina state employee. And so I am guaranteed 30 days paid time off for my organ donation. That means without having to use my own paid time off because... Our okay, paid time yeah. off and sick leave, you know, is all bundled together. They don't care why yeah, you you're not there. You're just not there. It and all. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. And I hadn't been back that long. And I had not been back long enough to qualify for FMLA. Mm-hmm. So I reach out to HR, something and everything's like hunky dory. Just, hey, guys, want to know, like, what do I need to line up? I'm going to get a call that I have to donate my kidney and I want to make sure like I know what's going on and they're like oh yeah sorry you're not a state employee and I'm like what do you what what what, were you what do you mean I'm not a state employee so MUSC like me from the about, from the time
0: so it like is UHA and UMA and yes
1: yes so there's but this is like and, very
0: typical of most hospital like most big academic hospital systems it's like super confusing yes you might be a partial employee of one entity of the of the hospital and then a partial right. employee of another entity of the hospital because like so, and it's all goes back to Medicaid and Medicare oh my god it's yes it's so
1: confusing
0: but you're not a
1: state employee And I'm like, what do you mean? I've got a state retirement. I've got state benefits. And they said, oh, well, you're only an employee um, for the state for those purposes. MUHA, which is the authority, which is what all the nurses work for, um, they are separated from the state. We separated from the state. Sometime between then and when I worked there before in 2013.
0: Yeah. I remember when that happened.
1: Yeah. So I was just like, oh, um, okay. So I'm trying to call HR and they're like, yeah, um, we give five days off. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be cool. out of work for eight weeks. Cool. And I don't have eight weeks leave. And they're just sort of like, sorry. So I reach out to the attorneys for MUSC to general counsel and just sort of tell them what's going on and say, I don't understand how they can say that I'm an employee for the state for these purposes, but then to deny me as being an employee of the state for this purpose. Right. And this is all summarized very easily, but really it was like the most chaotic and, I was so emotionally invested in making this work that this was like devastating to me. I'm sure. I remember one day, you know, because I'm at this point, we're short staffed like everywhere else. I'm working like every day in the hospital. I'm working 50 hours a week in the hospital, right? In my department. And one of the attorneys calls me back and says, you know, I'm really sorry. We did a ton of research. And unfortunately, like, they're just not. Gonna budge, so they. It's legal for them to say that Ugh. you don't get paid time off. Yeah. So I, I remember I started crying at the nurses' station, as one does, as one, as we do. <laughs> <sighs> and I'm just thinking, like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And so, you know, at this point, it's been well over a year. Like I right. am invested.
0: Well, so, and then is your, is your evaluation not valid anymore? So at this
1: point, my evaluation is expired. Okay. Um, So we have to go inactive in the donor pool. I finally decide, okay, I've exhausted everything with HR. I've exhausted everything with general counsel. And as sort of a Hail Mary, I write a leader, an email to all of MUSC's leadership. So Pat Cauley, like if anybody Cole,
0: Pat Culley, Tom yeah Crawford,
1: all these people yeah Danielle sure um oh. I email her her husband as well um yeah. even though he's affiliated with the children's hospital um so I'm email I, I, anybody we'll anybody soon, that yeah. has an executive title it, is yeah. going on my email yep so I take like days to draft this email and the, the essence of it is this is what has happened You know, I went to nursing school here. Um, I left. I've worked in some of the nation's top-ranked hospitals. And when I moved back, I came back to MUSC. And now this is going to be something that inhibits me from being able to donate. Right. Essentially, what they told me was I'd have five days off, and then I would have unpaid medical leave, and I would not be guaranteed my job when I came back. Right. Right. And so I'm just thinking that's not right. Like, right. this is the only hospital in the state that even does transplants. So, like, what? Yeah. So I immediately get a response, and they say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna give you 30 days pay time off, and we're going to work to evaluate the policy so that it's more in line with the needs of living organ donors who are employed." No. At Good for them. MUSC. So I um I do that and we go I have to get reevaluated at some point, but between the time that I reach out to leadership and they grant me this, they reach out to Satish Nadig, who is the endowed chair of Solid Organ Transplant um for both adult and pediatrics at MUSC mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and somehow he gets looped in to me wanting to get the policy changed and like on a Thursday afternoon he calls me from my cell phone and was like, hey, um, I don't know if you want me to do like the harvest here, but I heard about your situation and if you want to do it here, I'll do the harvest here and that way you don't have to go to Atlanta. Harvesting and so taking your kidney. Would be kidneys. taking my kidney.
0: Words that sound normal, but they're not. (laughs) It's not like harvesting or (laughs) taking your kidney. Okay, but that's huge because then you don't have to be in Atlanta. Right, right. Getting your kidney taken out. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't realize that. You got your
1: kidney taken out in Charleston, and then where did it go? So, we find out that we are going to be a 10-person chain. So... They had to spread it out over weeks. So my intended recipient got transplanted the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, and she was discharged home on Thanksgiving Day, two days later after getting her living no kidney donation, doing, like, incredibly well. And uh, the Tuesday from her surgery, so the following Tuesday— I have my surgery done to harvest. It gets put on um, a private plane that someone has donated Mm -hmm. for the actual recipient who was a minor. Um, So it was going to a children's hospital in Florida. That's amazing. And it's crazy because like my silent prayer during all of this was, I don't know if I'm going to be willing to do... A non-direct donation. But then when it happened, I was like, yes, I'm doing this. Like, I fought so hard to make this happen. Of course I'm going to do it. And then whenever I found out that it was going to a children's hospital, I worked in PEDS. Previously, PEDS was my specialty. And it was like a full circle moment. And I was just so happy because it was like best case scenario that I could have ever wanted And like it almost makes me want to cry just thinking about it because I just fought so, so hard. And I thought this is going to go to somebody who's going to be able to have this for like 20 plus years. Right, right. So it's a huge, huge impact. And I don't, I haven't communicated with the, with my actual recipient. Um, they can reach out to me, or I can reach out to them. But then it was like, okay, I go back to work. I had some complications. I was rehospitalized. Once I get back to work, then COVID gets in full swing, and Gosh, of course, I'm like terrified enough. because of the renal comp or the renal implications with severe cases of COVID. And I am just, it's not the time to like reach out to this person, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah supplements and vitamins are just a part of so many of our daily lives now so how do we know what to choose in a brand my family personally uses thorne thorne has partnerships with hospitals and universities across the country including the mayo clinic and charleston's own medical university of south carolina you can order any thorne product through me when you create your account at thorne.com use dabbleco and you'll receive 15 percent off and free shipping on all your future orders when you create your account, you will just be prompted to confirm Dabbleco as your referral and the discounts applied in the cart after you create your account. Again, that's thorn.com slash U, like the letter U slash Dabbleco. And you can also find the direct link in the show notes. Well, but and but the thing is what I think people don't probably realize is now, okay, so you've given this this child, however old they are, maybe could they mm-hmm. could have been anywhere from I mean they I were don't know 12 how large. There you go. So this, you essentially, once you get your kidney donated, live a a normal life. I mean, yeah, you have to be careful with that kidney, obviously, but it, but they go back to normal. There are no more dialysis, you know, I mean, yes, they take medications, but they essentially live normal lives. So you've truly given this now person, but child, uh, this chance at really a, a a life after this. I mean, it's really wild.
1: Yeah, and I had done so much research then, obviously, because the email that I sent to leadership, I wanted to be not only backed with like my emotion and me wanting to do this, but the burden that chronic kidney disease and renal failure has on the healthcare system. And so I looked up just, so for, I have initially got evaluated in May of two thousand it originally reached out in May of 2018 Mm -hmm. and my donation surgery was the week after Thanksgiving, 2019. So it was about 18 months that, yeah, you know, we're, I'm trying to fight to make this happen and, and to do all of this. And there are only about 6,000 living organ donors in the nation per year. Um, and how many it's, people need a kidney? Um, current, I actually just looked up before this call because I wanted to know like what the latest was, but right now there are over a hundred thousand people on oh, the waiting list. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and mo- so most people wait three to five years on the waiting list. So that means going right. to dialysis. If you're on the waiting list, you're, you're already on dialysis. So. Right you're going to dialysis for half the day 3 days a week and the financial burden of this disease and the necessity of having dialysis i mean i couldn't even believe it when i just looked at this, the latest stats for 2021 but it's 57.5 billion dollars in us healthcare are spent yeah, on i'm not surprised on renal disease and specifically. that's too, okay,
0: let's think of it. All right, if you think, that's 100,000, if 100,000 people need a kidney and we've got 50 states, that's like, the, and that's just the people that are on, like, on the list. Because a lot of people, people don't
1: even get to go on the list. A lot of people who have comorbidities are not. They don't even get to go, like, just like you said, they don't even get to go on the list. So they so know dialysis,
0: that- hospitalizations, they, a lot of them can't work because dialysis for, for people don't, that don't know, it's like several hours. So several hours, three days a week, a lot of them can't work. Then they can't, I mean, the, yeah. the financial burden, not just on the healthcare system, but just pe- period is. Yeah. Tremendous. Just
1: on society because these poor people, I mean, they ha- the quality of life when you're on dialysis, it's not good. You know you're you're going to these appointments. You're more prone. So that think of all the exposures that you're having constantly right. being in the healthcare system. Um, so it's it's wild. And one of the things that I realized was that dialysis alone was almost forty billion dollars of that. So that is it's so just, much. It is so much, and I was really surprised that you think of, okay, kidney failure, dialysis. I think a lot of us in the medical field think like, oh, high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. but diabetes is actually the number one contributing factor to chronic kidney disease, and then, of course, end-stage renal failure to follow. So there are just so many reasons there's so many reasons. Yeah. And
0: and for kids, it'd be, it'd be more like maybe familial, you know, you can right. inherit kidney disease and there's certainly nothing. Yes.
1: Or there are there's, very. There's definitely
0: a stigma, you know, about like you could have prevented this and there's sometimes you can and sometimes you can't.
1: Right. Exactly. So like this child probably just like you said, they probably had uh, some type of familial diagnosis or um, renal cancer, which is much more common than you would think mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. in the hospital system those of us that do um see it probably more than what the general public i think who thinks of like kidney cancer you know like right. you think of like all these other kinds of cancer but you don't think about that and it was wild to me would just, you do it again oh a 100 times i see people like needing a kidney and i'm like oh i wish i could do it again and let me do
0: <laughs> like, just, i had i have one left
1: And I I need the one. Um, But it's crazy, because despite my free hospitalization and complication that required a surgical intervention two years later, um, I still would do it again. Like, it was, I think it's like childbirth. I mean, I've never had kids, but it's like, you forget. Yep. But like, like I haven't I'm- forgotten, but I still just know what an impact that made for somebody, and the fact that I could be able to do that. And it gave me a whole new respect. So, anytime in our department when I was still working as a nurse, if anyone was there because they had to have a screening to go onto the transplant list or they, whatever. Right. I would always go and just, like, run up to them and, like, talk to them so enthusiastically. Not because, like, I wanted to. special to you. To, yeah. And just because it's so, like, I mean, I don't think of it, as, of it as a big deal. It's just I think of it as somebody needed help and I helped them. That's the right thing to do. And I know a lot of people probably don't think that. And, I mean, it was hard. I think my case was rare. With the with the complication and the rehospitalization, that doesn't happen that much. And the complication was like a a muscle tear that a lot of women oh. actually experience, like with C sections. So it's not yeah. that un, it's not like something that's incredibly uncommon. But I would still, like I said, I would do it a hundred times over. And I just think back to like me telling Betty Ann and her just like sobbing mm. when I told her, and then. Her daughter was there, her son was there, and just everybody is just like, I mean, this was life-changing for them. They travel, they do all of these things, and I just thought I can't let somebody like have their life be taken away like that. Where can people go if they want to learn more
0: about the process or, you know, like if they know someone, I mean, do you you personally chat with people or is there like a main resource where you send
1: people? Both. I mean, I've had tons of people reach out to me and just sort of say, hey, can you tell me part of your story? MUSC has created a living donor mentor program where you're paired with someone who's gone through it and it's a chance for you to ask someone that is not employed by the hospital. So I yeah. would, I'm an exception to that. You know, I'm a nurse and I see it from that side, but I'm also a living donor and see it from that side. So they pair you, they match you. So people can ask me questions and i talked to a bunch of people. I know two people that have donated since then that have reached out to me That's and awesome. I was totally honest with them. You know, I don't want them to think it's a walk in the park and my nurse practitioner <laughs> On transplant was like I can tell you think that you're gonna be just you know hopping in the <laughs> car ready to go I can already yeah. tell you think you're gonna be like fine but we're taking your kidney but it's uh it's a lot and yeah I mean they were totally right they ca- like called it right out of the gate they knew that I was gonna be thinking like oh I'm fine and my mom's like I was picking blueberries two days after. I didn't in my kidney and I'm just, okay, super freak. But yeah. um, where your local hospital um, will have a, especially if it's an academic medical center. So it uh-huh. needs to be um, an academic medical center that has a transplant program. So in South uh-huh. Carolina, that is the medical university of South Carolina. There's uh-huh. an area where you can reach out through their website if you're interested And even if you don't know somebody that needs a kidney, if you just hear the story and feel compelled, you can be the start of a chain as a good Samaritan. Um, Or, yeah, it's really, it's wild. Uh, UNOS is a great resource. National Kidney Foundation is a great resource. Um, And MUSC, I will say, is, I was just looking this up before before we got on, um, is number four in the nation for surgery volume and they have a 94.8 percent wow. positive graft rate one year post-op which means one year post-op 94.8 percent of their transplants are thriving and successful and this
0: is you know I do some sponsored episodes with MESC. this is not one of them this is just this is just what a lovely place to have a kidney transplant um Wow, that's, that's crazy. I mean, thank you. First of all, thank you for doing that for just being a good human and inspiring. I'm sure others will probably hear this and at least start thinking about that. Um, you know, maybe be inspired or maybe feel compelled, you know, if they have a family member or somebody that, that they knew. Um, and just thanks for
1: telling everybody your story. It's wild. It really is. It really is so wild. And if you're an MUSC employee, now you get 30 days paid time off. That's right. Thanks to Laura. If you need a vacation, (laughs) give him a kidney.
0: (laughs) Man. Um, Gosh. Well, guys, thank you so much, as always, for listening. Um, What a crazy story and such an inspiring story. And please, if you like this episode or know somebody that it would be helpful for, please share it, uh, rate, and subscribe. That's how we continue to get great guests. And I'll see you next week.